No matter what situation that you may be in with the person that you're leading or, or mentoring, you need, we need to have the same attitude that the Apostle Paul had, that no matter what that person is struggling with, we need to see them as beloved. This is the Divine Truth Podcast, a ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church in beautiful Central Virginia. This podcast is for the purpose of teaching God's people through the verse-by-verse exposition live from the pulpit of Emmanuel Baptist Church. We pray that the Word of God richly blesses you as you hear it proclaimed. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 this evening. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. And um, let's read our text once again so that we have in mind where we've been and uh, where, where Paul is going to take us in his, in his instructions here. 1 Corinthians 4, beginning in verse 14, where the apostle writes, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, uh, I warn you. For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. For this cause I have sent unto you Timothy, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Now some are puffed up, as though I would not come to you, but I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will, and I will know, and will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What will ye? Shall I come unto you with a rod, or in love? And in the spirit of meekness, this is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we ask you to teach us your truth tonight. Give us my uh, ears to hear and hearts to receive all that the Spirit has to say to us this evening. We thank you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. One of the things I've never been able to clearly under, clearly understand uh, as, is people taking spirituality so nonchalant. Uh, people taking spiritual leadership and that responsibility that they have to be spiritual leaders as dads in the home, as, as leaders in the church, to take that responsibility so nonchalant. Because the fact of the matter is that no matter what position that you may hold in a church, no matter where you are in the home, the fact is that if you are a child of God, you are a leader. You are a mentor to someone. Uh, if you've ever spoken to anybody about the things of the Lord, you are some, in some way, shape, or form, you are a leader. And it is important that spiritual leaders have many objectives and many thoughts in mind, but it's very important that spiritual leaders never judge motives. We need to be very careful of that. Uh, it's true, and the same can be said of all believers, but it's especially true of those people that have the job of mentoring those people that have come to faith in Christ. Because when people are living in sin, when people do not want to be confronted with their sin, you generally hear verses like this, Matthew 7, 1, judge not that you be not judged. What do you got going on with that, Wichita? You know, I put up with your shenanigans this morning. I ain't going to do it this evening. All right. Judge not that you be not judged. But the judging that Jesus condemns in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, is not the careful 
discerning judgment of fruit, is it? That's not the judgment that Jesus is talking about. But what Jesus is talking about is the hypocritical, censorious, and unfair judgments. One, the judgments of which judges people's hearts, judges people's motives. Because as spiritual leaders, we need to keep in mind that God is the only one who is, uh, this is not a, this is not a good, this is not an actual word, but I'm going to use it. God is the only one who is the heart knower. Okay? And for, for those of you who say, I can't believe Pastor Michael will use a word that isn't a word. Well, I got that word from a 17th century theology book. So it was a word. God is the only one that is the heart knower. In fact, Paul said back in chapter 4 of our, our current study of our book, uh, For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified. But he that judges me of who? He that judges me is the Lord. And as spiritual leaders, we must... We, must, we have to make judgments, yes, but those judgments must be made righteously and those judgments must be made unbiased because as it says in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7, that the Lord doesn't look on the heights, he doesn't look on the stature, where does the Lord look? He doesn't look as man sees, he looks on the heart. That's where God looks, that's where God judges and spiritual leaders must be cautious because judging others must be qualified, and since they are based, our judgment is based on outer factors alone. But it's important as spiritual leaders that you and I do not judge based on motives. Now that sounds a little strange because, listen, we can't even judge our own motives, can we? We don't even judge our own motives. You know, we often say that nobody knows me but me and God. Well, guess what? The only one that knows you is God. Because you don't even know you. How many of you have ever been said, the only one that knows, the only one, and I've said it. Uh, you guys can probably remember a time that I've said it. It's my study of God's word is kind of, this week has kind of changed my mind on that a little bit. Because you've heard me say that there's only two people who know whether you're saved, yourself and God. Well, you heard me say that. And you've probably said that and you've heard that. But I'm going to change that a little bit. There's only one person who knows that you're truly saved, and that's who? And that's God. Because you don't even know whether you're really saved or not. Because you're biased. You're biased. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor? If you're truly saved, you know that you're truly saved. But if you're not saved and you want to con convince yourself that you are saved, you certainly can do it. You certainly can do it. Now, I certainly believe in individual understanding and individual knowledge of salvation. But if you are trying to convince yourself that you are saved and you're truly not saved, you can convince yourself that, that you are. Because what did Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3? But it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self. Paul says, I don't even understand my own motives enough to judge them. He says, so the person that judges me is the Lord. And listen, what does the Bible say about our salvation? The Bible says it does not say that it is you and the Spirit that bears witness. It says who? It's the Spirit alone that bears witness with your spirit that you are the sons of God. And so spiritual leaders leave all heart judging, even judging of his own heart to the Lord. The spiritual leader must also be cautious not to leave, church, this is very important, not to leave biblical principles and go beyond biblical teaching. One such quote-unquote Christian counselor said to one counselee, oh, just think positive. Just think positive. 
And folks, listen, that is probably about as antithetical to biblical truth and reality as you could ever get. To tell a believer who's struggling with sin in their life just to think positive. Think positive about what? Think positive about your sin that's caused you to be in the situation that you're in? So we've got to be very cautious as spiritual leaders, as mentors, as dads, as, as leaders at, at, at your jobs, as leaders in ministries, as leaders in this church. We need to be very careful that we don't, do not ever leave biblical principles. That we don't ever look outside of Scripture for answers. It's one of the things that, 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 we, that we teach about sola scriptura, that Scripture alone has all the answers to life. And we don't look outside of Scripture for the answers. We don't look at the latest pop culture, quote-unquote Christian bestseller for tips, especially when those tips contradict the Word of God. The spiritual leader is not concerned or should not be concerned about a 40-day journey of purpose with its self-help and, self and, and, and felt needs agenda. They do not look and try to find their best life now with all the neo-Christian and anti-Christian unbiblical dependence on self-esteem. And besides all they, and besides all that, church, uh, that's a dead giveaway because the only way this can be your best life now is if you're going to hell. That's the only way that this can be your best life now. And so the spiritual leader must look to Scripture alone. And we've seen, as we've been looking, running down this text, we, we've seen Paul as a spiritual leader. If you, if you ever get an opportunity and get a hold of a book about, written by John MacArthur, he's written a book on leadership. Uh, it's an excellent book, and it, goes, and it basically outlines the life of the Apostle Paul. And it's an excellent book on leadership. Because as we've looked through the leadership that Paul has displayed here, we saw, first of all, the, leaders, the spiritual leader's admonition. And what does Paul say there down, down there in verse 14? He says, I write not these things to what? I write not these things to shame you. Spiritual leaders don't try to shame or embarrass people into quote-unquote repentance. And Paul says, that's not my purpose of writing this book to you. And it's so easy as, as leaders in the church, leaders in our home, to try to make a change in people's lives or try to see a visible change to try to embarrass or try to shame people into repentance. Paul says, that's not my purpose of writing you. That, Paul says, that's not my purpose in, in giving you these warnings and giving you these corrections. It was not to shame you into repentance. But the spiritual leader not only has an admonition, but the spiritual leader has an affection. And this is one of the things that spiritual leaders need to always keep in mind. And it's, and it's, and it's tough sometimes. Because you and I have agendas and you and I have thoughts and ways that we believe people ought to act. But listen, we need to remember to have affection toward people, don't we? Not only to admonish people the right way, but notice what Paul says at the, at the middle part of verse 14. He says, I don't write these things to shame you, but as my what? Beloved son, I warn you. No matter what situation that you may be in with the person that you're leading or, or mentoring, you need, we need to have the same attitude that the Apostle Paul had that no matter what that person is struggling with, we need to see them as beloved. Care enough about them to warn them. Paul says, I don't write these things to shame you, but I write these things because I, you are my beloved. From the, root, from the Greek root agape, I have a special sacrificing uh, love of God for you, the love of the will for you, and I love you enough to warn you when you're doing wrong. 
I don't need to tell you folks tonight that if you don't warn somebody of impending danger, that is proof positive that you do not love them. I had someone come up to me this morning and ask me about the discipline of children. And y'all know my answer on discipline of children. I said, well, just think positive. Right? Listen, I said the Bible's very clear that one of the ways that God shows that he loves us is how, church? Chastising or chastening us. Uh, and one of the ways that you, we, you, we show that we love our children is to do what? Listen, if we don't love somebody enough to warn them of the impending danger of their course of action, then, the, then we don't really love them. And that's Paul's point. You are my beloved, he says in verse 14. Therefore, I what? I warn you. I'm warning you because you, I have that special love for you. And it's amazing to me. We looked at it a couple of weeks ago. It's amazing to me that of all the as sinful as this church was, it's amazing to me that Paul told the church at Corinth that, he, that they were his beloved more than he told that to the church of Philippi. That's amazing to me. Now, the church of Philippi, here's a church that sent Paul money. Because remember, when you were in prison, the only way you could support, the only way you could eat is if you paid for your own food. I mean, there was no state-sponsored prisons back in Rome. If you wanted a coat, remember when Paul asked Timothy to bring him a coat? That was the only way Paul was going to get a coat is if somebody brought it to him. The Roman soldiers, Caesar wasn't going to give him a coat. And the only way that Paul was going to eat, Caesar wasn't going to feed him. The only way Paul was going to eat was to buy his own meals. That's why the church of Philippi sent Paul money while he was in prison. But yet he calls the church at Corinth, who, who Paul said, the more I love you, the more you hate me. But yet he calls them the beloved more than he calls the church of Philippi beloved. Now, did he love them more? I don't think he loved them more. But he probably loved them equally. And it was just amazing to me. And listen, we need to have that mentality of people that we're mentoring as leaders, as spiritual leaders. But I want us to notice some more marks of spiritual leaders. Number three, we've looked at the spiritual leader's admonition, the spiritual leader's affection. Now, number three, the spiritual leader's attention. The spiritual leader's attention. The, the apostle begins this verse, folks, by, by pointing back to something that has been previously said. Look at verse um, 16. What does Paul say in verse 16? Wherefore, stop right there. Now, that's doing what? That's pointing where? That's pointing back. Because I, because I did not write this letter to shame you, because I did not write this letter to embarrass you into repentance, because you are my beloved children and I am your spiritual leader. What does he say? I urge you, verse 16, I beseech you, I urge you, be ye followers of me. Now look, look down there at the text and look at the word follow or followers there at the text. Mimetes, it's where we get our English word to mimic. It literally means to imitate. Paul says, you do what I do. You do what I do. But Paul understood that while he told them, encouraged them to follow him, he also understood that he was not the standard. Because he says in chapter 11, verse 1 of, our, of this letter, be ye followers of me as I'm also of what? Christ. Paul knew, Paul knew that Christ was the standard. He said the same thing to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. 
And I believe there's a reason that Paul uses the language that he does. Remember how we said to you on Sunday morning last week that if you only see the precept or the principle and then you look at your life and you, and you, may con- and you look at your life and how sinful it is, you might conclude that the, that the precept is a nice goal but is one that's unattainable. But Paul here says very clearly, because of all these things I've said before, You follow me. And when we sometimes see the commands in Scripture, we sometimes think, oh, how do I do that? And then comes in the pattern. You see, it's God's precept. It's God's pattern. That's why Paul says to the church at Ephesus, be ye followers of God as dear children. We are ultimately, church, to be imitators of God because he is the pattern of the precept. We're to be imitators of Christ. But God gives us human patterns, human leaders to follow. God brings people in our life who who live those godly lives and they become patterns for us to follow. And then Paul says, I follow Christ and so therefore you follow me as I follow Christ. As I imitate Christ, you imitate me. Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 7, For yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we behave not ourselves disorderly among you so paul could be literally saying do as i say not only do as i say but do as i do do as i do you know one of the hardest places i think to disciple people is in the home it's in the home when we disciple those outside of our families outside of our homes often they see us in the ideal situations they see us in the ideal places And in those ideal places, it's easy to act spiritual. It's easy to act mature. But the family sees us in all of our different moods. The family sees us when things aren't quite so ideal. And so it becomes more difficult to disciple in the family. They see, the family sees the actions. The family sees the attitudes. And they know firsthand whether or not we're living up to what we say. The fact is, church, that if we are not living up to what we say, then much of our instruction and much of our admonition falls on deaf ears. Our children are much more likely to follow what we do versus what we say, aren't they? You can say all you want that you you need to walk by the principles of Scripture, but unless your children see you do that exact thing, they're going to do what you do, not what you say. And so discipline is a must, it's much more than teaching right principles, church. It's right living. It's right living. If you're going to be a spiritual leader, you need to pay attention to how you live. Because it's also not right speaking, but it's right living. That's why Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, Let no man despise thy youth, but be an example of the believers in what? Word in conversation, which is what, church? The way you live. The way you live. You be, you be an example of what you say, but you also be an example of how you live. How you live. Paul was such a successful mentor because he lived what he said. 
And Paul was such a successful mentor to Timothy that he could actually entrust his teachings to those that he had discipled. You know, that's the point of mentoring, isn't it? That's the point of being a spiritual leader. You that are spiritual leaders, and if you're a Christian knight and you've got people that are subjected to you in, in, in any way, shape, or form, you're a leader. Dad, you're leaders. If you're, whatever, if you're a Christian in your family, you're a leader. And that's the point of spiritual leadership. And the things, Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, do what? Commit them to faithful men who will do what? Who will be able to teach others. And that's the way the process goes. You learn, you live, you teach, and the person you teach lives and teaches. And then they live and teach, and it keeps going on and on. That's the point. That's the process. That's the point of all spiritual discipleship and all spiritual leadership. And so our attention as spiritual leaders for ourselves personally, church, must be on Christ's likeness and being a model of that pattern, which is like I said to, at the beginning, I don't understand people's half-heartedness to spiritual leadership and the things of God. I don't understand people's half-hearted service for Christ. And what I really don't understand, and I really have difficulties understanding and wrapping my brains around, is, is we need to understand, church, the ramifications of our leadership, the ramifications it has upon our kids. And I don't think a lot of Christians take that seriously. Because I think a lot of Christians make some decisions in their home without any regard of what type of spiritual impact will this have upon my child. Listen, the spiritual leaders, you need to pay attention to the impact that your decisions make on your families and those that you're discipling. You need to make decisions that are not just best for you at the time, but you need to make decisions and take into consideration how it impacts your family. The ultimate goal of all discipleship is to mimic Christ. So Paul says, you be, I beseech you, verse 16, be mimics of me. Chapter 11, verse 1, you mimic me as I mimic Christ. Boy, I wish to, would to God that we could mimic Christ, right? Well, I wish that I could mimic Christ. But the fact is, can I? The reason I don't is because why? I don't want to. I don't want to. John Calvin said this, This limitation must always be observed so as not to follow any man except insofar as he leads us to Christ. Forgive the misspell there. I'll have to talk to him later. So, insofar as he leads us to Christ. I give him a hard time, but I make all these slides. So it's, it's all me. It's all me. And believers, church, listen, believers who long to be the proper example, we must take a deliberate, we must make a deliberate effort to, to love and a realization of the presence of Christ. You know, it's, what we, it's going back to what we talked about at church Wednesday, last Wednesday night about the omnipresence of God. That wherever you go, God goes with you. 
And we really hit hard upon the fact that no matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, you take God right there with you. It's, if, it's as if you, in fact, we put it in these forms, is when we sin, it's as if you are going right into the throne room of God. Now, of course, we understand from that same study that God can't be contained. That God doesn't have a throne room in heaven. It's picturesque. It's an example because God is not contained to one box. God's not contained to a throne. He's not contained to a throne room. But... To put it in, to put it in, uh, to get to illustrate our sin, it's like we go right to the throne room of God. We walk right up to the throne and we commit the sin right in His face. That's what it is when we sin because God is omnipresent. And so we need to make we need to make a deliberate deliberate effort that we, to understand that we live in the presence of Christ at all times. William Barclay said, quote, the world is full. There's that type of, I got it right on that one. The world is full of talk of Christianity, but one deed is worth a thousand words. One deed is worth a thousand words. Simon Chrismacher said, from the moment they are born, children are dependent on their parents for survival, care, guidance, and teaching. They copy the parents' way of life, learn elementary truths, and adopt their basic values. Children not only physically but also spiritually reflect the likeness of their father and mother. That's what spiritual leadership is. And where does spiritual leadership start? Spiritual leadership starts in your home and then extends out, doesn't it? Folks, listen, we need to pay attention. We need to understand the spiritual leader's intention. And Paul says, I beseech you, be followers of me. And then you look what he says in verse 17. For this cause I have sent unto you Timothy, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. You know, it says something when someone can disciple someone and that one that they've discipled that they can send out. I've lost count of the amount of, uh, I've lost count of the amount of young people that I have encountered over the years that have been raised in church and then they go out into the universities. They go out into the workplace and they're swallowed up by the ungodly universities because they are not armed by the spiritual leadership in their home nor the spiritual leadership of their church. They're not armed to face the battle. What a testimony it is that Paul could actually send Timothy out and Paul knew that Timothy would be faithful to the message. That's why Paul said he knew that he could send Timothy to the Corinthians. Because he knew that Timothy was trained. And that Timothy had, had received the, the, the mentorship of Paul. And so Paul said, I can, I'm going to send Timothy because he's a follower of me as I follow Christ. That's why Paul also said of Timothy in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 20, he says, For I have, remember we said, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state except who? Timothy. Timothy. Paul had done such a complete work 
of spiritual discipleship with Timothy, that Timothy continued the task. Timothy was the epitome, if you will, of of a spiritual leader being, uh, being of a spiritual leader raising other children. Timothy was the epitome of being raised by a spiritual, spiritually strong father in Paul. Being able, to, being able to go into the workplace, being able to go into the world, and being able to stand firm. Listen, church, when we are Christ-like, it is more likely that the people that we disciple will be Christ-like. But the people that watch us, if we don't live Christ-honoring lives, it is less likely that they will be Christ-like. And so we need to be careful. And that's why Paul says in verse 17, for this cause, I've sent Timothy. Notice how he describes Timothy, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord. How about you? When your children go into the world, have you prepared them to meet the challenges of an ungodly society? Or or the people that you disciple, whoever they may be. Are they prepared to meet the challenges of an ungodly society? Or or are they going to go out there and be like so many young people today just kind of swallowed up in this crooked and perverse world? Because they are, unlike Timothy, they are not prepared for the battle. Listen, church, we need to be prepared for the battle and we need to prepare those that we mentor for the battle, don't we? We need to be ready to fight and we need to prepare those who we disciple to fight. We need to make sure they are armed so that they can continue to fight. And Paul encourages this church, be ye imitators, be mimics of me. Are you the kind of spiritual leader that that, that demands that kind of attention? Because for somebody to stand up and say, hey, you follow me. For somebody to get up and say, hey, you follow me as I follow Christ. The question is, are you the type of leader that that commands that kind of attention? God has placed some people in my life that I strive to follow. People of God has God has been good to me, and He's placed people in my life that that I see as my spiritual fathers. And particularly, I see as my spiritual father. And I and I and I watch and I try to follow this gentleman. Because he follows Christ. Is he perfect? No. But this man demands the attention at least as far as I'm concerned, that says, be ye followers of me as I follow Christ. Let me ask you a question, church. Does your life demand or command that kind of attention? Is it, does your life command the type of attention that says, hey, look at me, follow me as I follow Christ? Ask yourself those questions to me. Thank you for listening to Divine Truth Podcast. We pray that the Word of God has been a spiritual blessing to your soul. For more information about Emmanuel Baptist Church, please visit our website at www.ebcmineral.com. You can also find us on our Facebook page at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Our Lord's Day services are 10 and 11 a.m. as well as 6.30 p.m. We also have a Wednesday service at 6.30 p.m. 
We here at Emmanuel Baptist Church pray that the message of God's divine truth would always go from the cross, through the church, to the world, until Christ come. God bless you.